Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. You're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast, changing up the way Bears fans stay up to date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready. Because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Chicago Audible. This is our week five postgame show. The Chicago Bears beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers by the final score of 22-19. I'm Errol DeWitt. Joined with me is my co-host, Nicholas Moriano. And I just want to give you a heads up here before we really dive into our show. Nick and I, we've done this show once already. We've recorded the whole thing. We had some internet issues, had some uh, software issues with our live recording, went offline to record. For some reason, the backup recordings didn't even work. So we're going to try this again. It's already 1.06 a.m. my time. Still very excited about this Bears victory, but we're going to kind of keep this one uh, just a little bit shorter. Just fingers crossed that the technology works this time. It's been quite a headache. I'm sure you understand usually we go in much deeper level of analysis. I bet you, Nick and I, we're going to talk a little bit more than even we're expecting to um, as we kind of jump into the show per usual, but just want to make sure you understand that heading into this episode. So with that, Nick, welcome to the show. I'm glad that we're able to kind of hopefully iron some things out here. Bears win 20 to 19. Let's jump into the first quarter of our show and let's, honestly, I don't need initial perceptions. We talked about this once, and they'll get to it as we go throughout the show. So what's going to be your Miller Lite monster moment? Yeah, so what I said initially for the first one is something that you glance over is really that first touchdown drive. There's a third and 12 play. There's a neutral zone infraction that happens. Basically what happens for the Bears, they're able to sustain that drive, eventually get that first touchdown of the game, get that first rushing touchdown of the season with David Montgomery, Initially, you don't think that's a big, significant play, but that did lead to the Bears to score. They obviously score in the next drive as well. So that was my monster moment, but I know yours is way more impactful, I would say. Damn right it is. It is I'm calling it the Fuller fumble, uh, that forced fumble by Kyle Fuller at the end or near the end of the second quarter. Um, at the time, it was a 13-7 to game. Tampa Bay had every right to march down the field find themselves with more points, but Kyle Fuller said not today with a really big clean hit, was able to jar that ball loose. Robert Quinn having the wherewithal to pick that sucker up, and the Bears got themselves in very good field position, and more importantly, that offense was able to capitalize it, find themselves in the end zone, gave themselves a 14-13 to lead heading into the half, and I don't think without that play, we're talking about a Chicago Bears win here on Thursday night. So Kyle Fuller's forced fumble at the end of the second half, changing the momentum, changing the flow of this game, giving this Bears offense what it needed, which was a short field. And they need more of those this season. Uh, was everything that the Bears could have asked for in that moment. And so for me, how it kind of changed the dynamic of this game is going to be why that was my Miller Lite monster moment of the game. And of course, the Miller Lite Monster Moment is brought to you by our friend at Miller Lite. And just with all the social distancing happening, celebrating this Chicago Bears win with friends over a beer, it may look a little different than the past, but as the original light beer, Miller Lite has been always able just to be there to bring people together through Miller time. And Miller Lite, they are the only Chicago uh, Bears beer. Miller Lite, they have a long-term partnership with the Bears, and they've been a staple at Soldier Field for decades. Nick and I, we have so many great memories of just toasting touchdowns with Miller Lite, uh, with our friends, our co-workers, our family at home games, you know, chanting, the Bears, 
So here's to the Bears. Here's to the original light beer. It's Miller time. No matter where you're watching the game, it is always Miller time in Chicago. Pick up Miller Light for your game day needs. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 96 calories and 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces. Alrighty, you're listening to the Chicago Waddable. I'm your host, Will DeWitt. Joined with me is my co-host, Nicholas Moriano. This is our week five postgame show. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. The 4-1, and one, which, Nick, I told you already, but I'm going to tell you again, it's great to say that Chicago Bears took care of business, beating the Tampa Bay Buccaneers by the final score of 20-19, to 19, uh, a year that we all wish maybe we can go back to. <laughs> and, uh, just, just throwing that one out there as well. But Tom Brady, he finally loses uh, to the Chicago Bears, which I guess that's you know everything for 2020. How's happening for everyone? Of course, Tom Brady's probably thinking, you know, dang you, 2020. This like I lose to the Bears of all years. It had to be this one. But I'm glad to finally have the Bears off that list of teams that Brady has never lost to. Uh, that way, that's never going to have to be associated with us in the future. But moving into actually before we move into the second quarter of the show, we missed this on the first run, so we're, I'm going to make sure I fix my wrong. Nick, what's the stat that stands out to you? We already went through a bunch of stats once, but for this time through, what's the stat that stands out to you? You know, just kind of looking back at it, I mean, look, third downs I think are so important, whether it's the Bears' offense or what it's what the Bears' defense did. And to hold the Buccaneers of 4-14 on third downs, and we talk there's a lot later in the game where the Bucks are in third and long situations, third and 20-plus, and to have the Bears – just that defense have the Bucks offense in that situation in the first place, you'll take that at any point in time, especially given it is Tom Brady. He knows exactly where to deliver the football on third downs. But 4-14, that's a really good job by the Bears defense. It really was. Uh, on top of that here, I'll take it one step further, and I'll talk about it later on the show. But I'll talk about the Bears' ability in the red zone to bend but not break on defense. Uh, they only allowed the Buccaneers inside the red zone uh, three times. And for a Bears defense that's been allowing teams – there about four times per game uh, that is a win in its own right but more importantly it's what the Bears did once they were in the red zone and, and that is keeping Tampa Bay out of uh, the end zone there I may have said end zone twice I meant red zone the first time I'm sure you understand it is a little late here but one of three in the red zone uh, the Bears were able to hold tight there force them into field goals Cleo Matt coming up with some big plays down there the pass rush getting dialed up tight coverage there in the condensed area of the field and Nick, if even one of those red zone trips, one additional ended up in a touchdown, I don't think the Bears find a way to win this game. It took everything they can just to muster 20 points tonight. So the Bears had to keep this game as low scoring as possible and their ability to stand up in the red zone like they have all season. That was something I circled entering this game. Bears red zone defense being the best in the NFL versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers red zone offense, which was the second best unit in the NFL in that regard, going toe-to-toe, that chess match, that you know strength versus strength. And the Bears defense proved that they were the better unit tonight, and that's the difference maker here for this game. All right, Nick, let's jump into the second quarter of the show. Let's talk about this Chicago Bears offense. Obviously, it wasn't pretty for all four quarters. There were some ups, there were some downs. It's the roller coaster that we've been all too familiar with with this Bears offense this season. And something that we uh, I want to discuss is that Chicago Bears rushing attack real quick, just to kind of hit things off, because a lot of people were disgruntled by the fact that the Bears weren't really trying to establish a run. Only 14 carries tonight, uh, 10 from David Montgomery, only averaging 2.5 yards per carry. But Nick, you and I, we talked about this in a preview show. Heading into this game, we knew that the Bears were going to have a very difficult, if not impossible time trying to run this football and for me usually every game if I see 14 carries I think listeners know I say that's not enough that's unacceptable you have to find a way to stick to the run establish it 
But I think in a game like tonight, where you knew what that front seven from Tampa Bay was uh, providing you in terms of the challenge up front, and the times that you tried it, you weren't getting many positive yards, and you didn't want to put yourself in too many second and longs, third and longs, because you were trying to run that football. For them, not, I'm going to not say ditch it, but they tried other ways to get the extensions with those wheel routes, getting to the running backs in the flat, the quick hitches, uh, all the, the quick passing game was trying to the Bears' ability or their attempt to run the football tonight, uh, just not handing it off. Just some other ways to get some of those quick, easy yards on the early downs. And early in the game, it was working. The Bears were in very third and manageable in the first and second quarter. Uh, third quarter due to penalties and pass rush, not so much. Um, but I thought that the Bears not trying to stick with the run may have actually been a good thing tonight. How about you? Yeah, it was uh, it's a, it was an interesting approach by Matt Nagy because I think he, in, in a way, kind of admitted defeat. Hey, they are going to stop the run, so let me find alternative ways to get my running backs to football. And you saw that, and I think what should be implemented more in this offense, the passing game with Cordell Patterson and David Montgomery, obviously, on those wheel routes that you were talking about because there are some interesting ways you can get scheme guys open. You look at one of the receptions by David Montgomery late in the game, Al Robinson looks like he's going to run that pick route. He never touches anybody, but because he does that, David Montgomery is able to leak out of the backfield along the left sideline, easy reception. So I think Matt Nagy knew that his offensive line was still trying to adjust from even last week against the Colts. I didn't play much better again in this one. I'm sure we'll talk about it. So what does he do? It's a lot of the short passing game. 42 passes overall for Nick Foles. Very pass heavy today, and especially in that second half. But look, you have to admit admit defeat at some point. The Bucks have a really good front seven. They were really stopping anything that David Montgomery's doing. And when he was getting first downs, he was working for him. Let's be completely honest. So I will credit Matt Nagy in just adjusting and really admitting defeat hey i'm not gonna run the ball and we've been really critical about him doing that in the past but it worked out in the bears favor they're able to get at least 20 points and it was just one more than what they needed to to beat the bucks hey i'll take the one point victory over the the two point loss here for the bears tonight uh something that we talked about once but we gotta do it again i'm sure fans are going to want to know our thoughts on it uh, was on that final drive for the Bears offense, that second down when they took that deep shot to Allen Robinson along the sidelines and instead of running it, forcing Tampa to kill their last time out, and then afterwards killing some more of that clock. With my trust issues that I have with kickers, I don't mind, in theory, going for the kill shot there, getting yourselves in pretty much right inside the, I think it was like around the 15 or so, right about there if he would have came down with that catch. But my problem is... That ball to Allen Robinson, that jump ball, that fade route, that back shoulder throw, it hasn't worked this season. It's, those are usually called 50-50 balls, uh, and right now they seem more like 20-80 uh, with the 80% going to the defense this season. Uh, Robinson's just not being able to corral those to the degree that we've seen in the past, and I don't know if I like the call for that reason, but in theory I like the aggressive mentality to try to put the game away, get Tom Brady off the field and just give him no shot whatsoever instead of knowing he would have had 30, 40 seconds to come back regardless. What are your thoughts on that play? Yeah, given what was on the other side, if the Bears don't or get put leave too much time on the clock, there's Tom Brady waiting there. So, And like you mentioned, that that's a play that Nick Foles and Allen Robinson are still trying to work on. So, And I can see why Matt Nagy did it. He did have the hot hand, 10 receptions for 90 yards. He was beating consistently Carlton Davis, throughout the game and to to do it though at that time stamp and obviously trying to move closer for the field goal I just look look Tom Brady's been in that situation so many times before give him any amount of time he'll find a way to move his offense down the field so I I get his mindset I just didn't completely agree with it but hey it all worked out it all worked out in the Bears favor in the end there but I I would like to have seen maybe hey just kind of run out the clock as much as you can and not throw up a 58 maybe 80-20 ball to Allen Robinson because he hasn't been able to come down with those one-on-one catches for a majority of this season. I, I get it. And there are two ways to look at it. And uh, I'm one, at least today, felt like, you know what, if you can find a way to take the ball completely out of Brady's hands, great. Because uh, even if it was a minute and 13 seconds or 40 seconds, you know he can work his magic one way or the other. Luckily he didn't have it tonight, or at least he probably thought he did if he could have had one more down. Uh, Because they thought, uh, he's again, it's 
I told you earlier, it's late. He's old. He's used to Eastern time zone as it it is, so it's one hour later for him uh, than most Chicagoans and their time zone. So I'm sure you you just get a little little disorientated when you're uh, getting up in age like he did. Uh, Something that that does concern us was the offensive line play, particularly in pass protection. We're concerned with the offensive line because of James Daniels exiting that game, which sounds like it's going to be a pectoral injury. we got to keep tabs on that because they already lost Tariq Cohen. Uh, you lost a dynamic playmaker. And if you lose someone that is as consistent as James Daniels is in terms of being available each and every week, um, someone that you're investing a lot of draft capital in and you're hoping you can continue to elevate his game and evolve to be one of the better guards in the league, to lose him and have to place in an Alex Bars, an undrafted free agent kid. I know he had a lot of talent and the need took him out of the draft stock. But he struggled tonight, and I know it's you can't expect him to jump in and be great. But I feel like I see that almost every Sunday with some team. Like here comes random Joe Schmo off the street to play line, and look at him—he's doing great. But you know, Bards, he did struggle tonight, uh, and if he does have to play extended amount of time, finally a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. In this offense, with a line that's already been iffy at best, um, getting concerned yet again, it's starting to weigh on me a little bit here and I know that you were uh, disappointed by the play of the tackles tonight, and I did warn you because that was my back-breaking matchup, uh, the edges for Tampa bullying our tackles, and I think you saw that tonight, right? Yeah, it was just consistent. It's like on almost every other throw, Nick Foles was getting hit, and obviously we know he's a guy that sustained a bunch of injuries throughout his career, so he can't have that, but just too much consistent pressure given up by Charles Leno Jr., Bobby Massey. And now we really got to see because Mike Garofolo from NFL Network tweeted out that the Bears are fearing that, well, one, James Downs is undergoing an MRI on his pec, but a source has already told him that they feared it's season-ending injury. And if that's the case for James Daniels, when, you already mentioned it, Will, this offensive line has been kind of taking a downward trend uh, ever since probably week three against against the Atlanta Falcons. Not having James Daniels is not going to make you a better offensive line. And putting Alex Bars, who you mentioned, already struggled, it's not going to make you better. So that's go- that's going to be a worry. And we know, like I just mentioned, Nick Foles hasn't been the most stable in terms of being healthy and having your a less adequate line in front of him. It's not going to help him stay upright. So definitely something to look forward to. They didn't do their job, I think, for the most part today. Maybe they did just enough on a few drives and a few plays that counted, but Nick Foles ended up on the ground, hit way too many times for my liking. Yeah, there were drives that it felt like every time he would drop back to pass, there was pressure in his face. He was getting hit. I guess that maybe happens when you only run the ball 14 times because it gets super predictable. So let's kind of keep that into consideration here too. Uh, When we are looking at this offense in general, uh, they did struggle on third down again, only 30% tonight, 3 of 10 uh, what I like, though, is early on in the game, they did a good job of avoiding uh, third down. I think the Buccaneers had about eight third down attempts compared to the Bears, like three uh, around the, in the end of the first half, and they ran about the same amount of plays. The Bears just did a good job of avoiding third down early on in this game. Second half, that narrative changed a little bit. Uh, they got lucky as well uh, with two first downs gained from penalties. You're looking at a defensive pass interference on Allen Robinson on the underthrown football, and then a potentially generous pass interference penalty. I mean, sorry, roughing the passer penalty as well um, late in this game. So luckily, we had some calls that went our way. Third down is going to be something that needs to continue to be a focus for this Bears offense to find a way to succeed on them. And something else that I didn't like, Nick, was late in this game when they were getting themselves uh, going backwards due to like some holdings and letting up some early down sacks. I didn't feel like they wanted to push the ball downfield and at least try to put themselves in a position to have a third and manageable. It was like second and 20, and they're okay with throwing it a little three-yard hitch. And to me, that, that still rubs me the wrong way. You need to find a way to get at least eight to 10 yards to put yourself in third and somewhat manageable. Third and 17, you have no shot. I mean, you have a very small chance, but at least 
I would love third and 10 over a third and 18, but they're kind of accepting that in a game where I don't know if they're just trying to play the field position game, punt it, and try again because they trust that defense, but you would still at least, in my mind, what's the harm of at least trying to get 10 yards on that second and 20? Yeah, it's like they were content with going with the shorter passing routes for for this game for a majority of the game, and there weren't there were a couple deep shots, but a majority of the time Matt Nagy was calling routes where these receivers five yard hitch and they're you know turning around waiting for the football to come from Nick Foles, and that's been we were wondering how Nick Foles changed the offense. That's a lot what we saw with Mitch Trubisky, you know, under center, just those shorter passing game and not really taking the deep shots downfield maybe it'll come and like going back look they knew they weren't going to run the football so you can't really drop back five yards step seven yard drops and expect to get really good you know results knowing that that pass rush is going to come after you so I could again I could see why he did it but you would like to see the offense at least have an opportunity to capitalize or overcome one of those third down or second down situations at least have the aggressive mentality to give yourself a chance uh, is what I'm hoping for. Real quick, uh, we'll get back to the offense. I did see uh, someone here in the chat, Jackson uh, Bitzer, want to know, hey, how can I support you guys? Love when I see that question. Got to make sure we answer that. Uh, on Venmo, you can give us uh, any donation he feels acceptable. At the Chicago Audible is the user. You'll see our logo as well as Nicholas Moriano's name. And then if that's if you don't have Venmo, hit us up on PayPal at www.chicagoaudible.com slash PayPal. I saw a few people in the chat mentioning our old Patreon. I got to update that thing. It has our old branding that I'm not allowed to say here on the show. So uh, that's how you can support our show. And for you listening, it's not just for the YouTube comments. You can definitely feel free to support us as well after we're recording our post game show for the second time it's 1 30 in the morning my time you know we're we're putting in the dedication here for you because we do care and we love our consistency and uh, we'll give you every ounce of the effort and energy that we have left here in the tank but getting back to this offense nick nick Foles up and down roller coaster just like the rest of the offense you want to see more even keel the word tonight that everyone seemed to be using was streaky uh, which was accurate uh, ideally you're not so streaky I would love I understand he can get hot and cold maybe we can find a way for him to get hot and then like his floor is like a lukewarm that would that wouldn't be bad I uh, wouldn't mind something along those lines but what I like tonight was you've talked about the wheel routes already but you're talking about him as a running back how you like him but the quarterback executed those to perfection as well allowing the pressure to get right in his face, sucking up the defense, but also with how Tampa was playing their man coverage and they were sending in blitzers, there's someone free, and usually they are like, well, they don't have Tariq Cohen, so let's go ahead and let the running back be that guy who we don't pick up. And Montgomery kind of holds in, or if it's Patterson, and then they kind of leak out in that wheel route, and it's wide open. They have everyone running verts, so the defenders are already like 10, 15 yards away from the play. Easy picking, and then whenever they're in the position, Foles with the touch to kind of lob it in there and set it right where it needs to go um, is something that does impress me because I haven't seen that from a Bears quarterback in quite some time to put those balls uh, in a position with guys around him with touch instead of uh, like Mitch where he just has that one level throw that's always on that same trajectory. Foles' ability to put different lofts on the ball, to drop it into different pockets uh, was really impressive tonight. Uh, What about you? Anything about this Nick Foles that you wanted to mention here? Yeah, I guess I'll highlight maybe some of the plays they did miss. You look at the very first drive, a design rollout that's worked, that's schemed up to perfection by Matt Nagy and having Allen Robinson being the recipient of a third down pass. And Nick Foles just airmails one of the passes there. And this is that comes back to that word that you mentioned earlier, Will, being streaky. And then it's the deep pass of Darnell Mooney who runs a post corner. We've seen Nick Foles make passes under pressure with a guy in his face look what he did run to the L for Anthony Miller in the game against Atlanta you know this one was kind of similar where there's pressure but I don't know if it's just a miscue of Darnell Mooney kind of coming off his route a little bit because he stumbles a bit or Nick Foles just being off and just his accuracy so there's that that streaky word that comes up we would like to see him especially being a veteran knowing this offense be more consistent because that's what really honestly got Mitch Trubisky benched he missed easy throws those gimme throws wasn't accurate on the deep ball but we want to see you know Nick Foles get more consistent in that in that area but look they're also like the passes like to to Jimmy Graham that beautiful one-handed catch where Mm -hmm. Nick Foles puts in that spot because it's away from the defender and 
you're just using a guy that's six foot six, six foot seven, uses big frame to get that ball and just get one hand on it. That that was an incredible play, grit, incredible ball placement. But you see the the ups and downs with Nick Foles. If we can get that a little bit more even keel, I think the Bears' offense will be in a, obviously a much better position than they were just a few weeks ago. Yeah, there's no excuse to miss a third down like he did down Robinson. That nice, easy play early on. Uh, that deep missed to Darnell Mooney as well is something that I'm sure everyone wishes that they can have back. And but luckily, I think that kind of ignited a spark in Folds because it was after that miss to Mooney, that next drive where he came in, he was like uh, seven of eight, sixty some odd yards, uh, hitting multiple receivers and ending up in that touchdown uh, that we just mentioned. And that ball to Jimmy Graham's great. You see the defender with the inside leverage, like you said, throwing it to the back shoulder, and Graham with his basketball background, uh, great red zone threat. Can't believe that the Packers going to utilize him uh, in that regard. It seems like the Bears know how to use him though, and they told us all off season this is they had a plan for him and they knew why they wanted him, and we were all a little confused. And I I'm glad that off season we talked ourselves into it because I'm starting to see what the Bears were seeing here too and uh, that red zone threat is real uh, his four touchdowns now in the red zone are tied for the NFL's most I believe or Mike Evans got one tonight so he may have five and Graham may have four now I'll have to double check the numbers but either way he's up there uh, so be proud of that fact uh, just looking here uh, Nick I'm going to do some uh, quick rattling of things we said the first time and you let me know if I missed anything that you want to mention so Allen Robinson he had the 10 catches 90 yards what's concerning us about Allen Robinson though is his inability to come down with those 50-50 balls like we saw in seasons past and he did get some good production he had a really good concentration catch near the ground um, but he is someone that when it is a contested catch time he's just for he's not win those he needs to find a way to win those uh, Darnell Mooney uh, came up today. He is playing injured. Uh, he did have a couple of missed opportunities as well, and he's just a tough kid out there. Anthony Miller, four catches on his four targets, only 28 yards, but those were really crucial catches late in the game, especially that third down in the fourth quarter. And then I think that's it from the skill guys. We already talked about the issues that we saw with the offensive line. Uh, we have to make sure we give the Bobby Massey shout-out. Like He had that catch. Uh, earlier for uh, that one bobble pass earlier this season where he caught it, so it wasn't in, uh, intercepted. Uh, and on top of that, he had the fumble recovery today that you know saved the saved the drive for the Bears. So uh, Bobby Massey's always around the football, uh, at least picking it up when it's down for us, and that's something that we should at least point out as well. Uh, Bears woes on third down we hit on uh, the Bears' ability to execute in the red zone. Hey, two touchdowns on the three attempts is something to. Uh, hang your hat on as well and I think that was the shorter version of everything we discussed the first time right yeah that's about sums it up uh, just I think looking for tomorrow morning look at the snap counts for Cole Komet and also Anthony Miller because I think when you guys look at in terms mm-hmm. of what they're able to do they weren't really on the field much this game and that for Anthony Miller is surprising to me but given his how his season's gone it's been pretty inconsistent and then Cole Komet we heard Matt Nagy just last week talking about he wanted to get more than 15 snaps I don't think he even reached that number well we'll have to see we know he got a holding penalty and maybe a good tackle on special teams but that's all I saw from number 85 which is unfortunate it is, and it's unfortunate that we talked about that once. And just because I'm glancing at my notes and I didn't have much, glancing at the box score, he's not on it. I forgot about him yet again, and he needs to have a bigger <laughs> role. And it wasn't this week. I don't know what they're waiting for. I, I really don't. I mean, it doesn't make any sense not to have him have somewhat of a role here. I, I don't believe he's as far behind as either he must be uh, and if he is, that's a concern. But it, it's something that still confuses me. But, Nick, before we move on to the third quarter of the show, we do have to tell our friends um, about our, uh, our our listeners about our friend at Manscaped. And I was telling you about Bobby Massey taking care of the Bears balls, and I need to tell our listeners how to take care of their own. Yeah, absolutely. So support for the Chicago Audible is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. As you all know, I've used a new and improved Lawnmower 3.0, so is Will, and it's by far the best trimmer on the market. From the advanced skin-safe technology to its LED light that illuminates grooming areas for a closer and more precise trimming, the Lawnmower 3.0 has everything you could possibly want. 
Here's how you can get your hands on that new Lawnmower 3.0 or any of Manscaped's great products. Head to manscaped.com and use the code TCA and you'll save 20% off and get free shipping. Again, get 20% off and free shipping with the code TCA at manscaped.com. And one last time, that's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com with the code TCA. All right, great stuff there, Nick. Thanks for telling people how they can take care of those family jewels. Super important to do that So and help us out. Uh, we're ending our trial run here at the Manscaped, and they did mention uh, we needed 10 uh, people to help us by using this code within this month. Last I heard, we're at about seven or eight. Uh, so if you can help be one of those final three to four to kind of push us over the finish line so maybe we can secure a long-term sponsorship with them, that would be awesome. Uh, we really would appreciate that from you. Uh, but, Nick, getting back to our show, jumping into the third quarter of it, let's look at this Chicago Bears defense because at the end of the day, and they did let up some longer drives today, and we'll talk about those, but the only allowed 19 points to this Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense that scores about 30 points on average. You have Tom Brady that is coming off a game where he threw five touchdowns. You're coming on top of that, uh, the Bears defense They've been on the field a lot just due to this offense's inability to sustain drives. And again, they allowed 106 yards on the ground, and we'll talk about that. But the fact at the matter is the Bucks moved the ball. Besides one time, they were able to cross the pylon. That was it. It was just straight field goals from that point forward. And to me, uh, when I go to bed, whenever we can actually get to Finally. A bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com that point here this evening Nick I'm gonna I'm gonna have a smile on my face because uh, I've seen Tom Brady bully any Bears defense over the years I've seen him bully many defenses and uh, to see him as frustrated as he was at the end of this game uh, as he was uh, in this fourth quarter throughout it uh, how harassed he was by the pass rush later on and how disgusted he looked when Khalil Mack was taking him down for what looked like the third time here uh, this evening Uh, for them to stay out of the end zone only have to put up uh, 19 on the leg of their kicker and not the arm of Tom Brady or the legs of Ronald Jones. I think I'm proud of the effort I saw tonight. How about you? Yeah, absolutely. Especially how this night kind of started for this Bears defense with missed tackles and just guys trailing in coverage. And really, it just looked like the Bucks were going to have their way with this Bears defense. But there's that, there's that sense, or there's the word that comes up for me for this group is really resilient or just resiliency in terms of how they play and keeping that mentality of bend but don't break. And you saw that really in that second half where the Bears needed to just make a couple of stops, keep this Bucks defense or Bucks offense in some third and long situations. They did that. They were winning some of their one-on-one matchups. We'll highlight some specific guys. But overall, they did definitely enough, only allowing this this high-scoring Bucks offense to 19 points, just keeping them to 19 that's what you want to see from this Bears defense. And they didn't play a complete game, but yet they still came away and did enough. Despite being, like you mentioned, Will, on the football field for a while, you can be proud of that unit. You definitely can. Yeah, I mean, the time of possession came out about even. It just felt like the Bucks were able to sustain longer drives, primarily due to the fact that they're able to run the ball really well. 6.2 yards per carry tonight. Uh, Ronald Jones finished on 17 carries at 106 yards, including that 37-yarder right up the gut and Nick in our preview show I was very weary of this because Ronald Jones I mentioned he's a true between the tackles type of back that can really make you pay and we've seen the Bears even leading into this week allow a decent amount of easy runs up the gut and tonight I think I counted at least a four to five where not just the Roquan missed tackles or anything like that but just plays that they were able to seal off get a good block due to the missing nose, getting into the second level, and just Ronald Jones going, uh, making one man miss, and you know, he's 10, 12 yards down the field in the blink of an eye. and uh, It's just easy yards that you don't want to see this Bears defense give up on a weekly basis. Tonight we can live with it uh, because they were able to hold true at the end. But also I feel like if the Buccaneers would have got 
you know, maybe stuck to the run a little bit more once they got to the red zone, it could have been a different story as well. I'm glad they didn't want to try that too often. But tonight, what were your thoughts on the Bears' run defense? I, I knew we knew it was going to be a test. I don't know if we expected 106 yards on 17 carries, um, but it, the damage was minimal on the scoreboard. But what's just your thoughts on it in general? Yeah, it's a lot what I think we've been seeing all this entire season, really, where running backs are having their way up the middle, especially given that there's not much resistance there. It's a kind of a soft interior for this Bears defense and that's look it's been an issue that we know about and the Buccaneers were able to exploit it get some big runs with Ronald Jones and we we talked about that in the preview so it wasn't a surprise it's just you you don't like seeing it obviously and it doesn't help when you have defensive you know guys with the like Roquan Smith missing tackles then Eddie Jackson get his ankles broken coming down to try and make a tackle on Ronald Jones so you can't have that and then that just adds to why maybe it looked worse than well, no, it was actually pretty bad in the rushing end, so I won't say it wasn't worse than what it was perceived. But overall, though, when it came to the third and fourth quarters, you see what the points that equated from maybe these big rushes, three points in the third quarter for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, three in the fourth, and that was it. So despite them giving up these big runs on the scoreboard where it counts the most, the Bears did their job. They did, and they uh, they were able to hold on uh, really well here for the most part of this game. And when you're looking at the touchdown, it was a short field, and it came right after that interception. They only had to go 50 yards. So whenever you actually put them in, you know, I would call a typical starting field position, they weren't able to march their way all the way down the field here against this Bears defense. And when you're looking at it in general, I thought we saw some really good things from the front seven, uh, everyone in spurts. But if you want to look at, like, Khalil Mack, I mean, I would love to talk more Khalil Mack. We did it once, but I can do it again. Uh, Akeem Hicks had his moments as well, but Mack, he was, you know, he was good against the run, really getting some good pressure. Drawing, drawing a holding penalty, should have had three sacks, but one was taken away due to a very soft, uh, you know, personal foul on you just can't touch Tom Brady kind of call. And you know, it's one of those days. Nick, I asked you once. I know the answer, but our f- listeners want to know: Was this Khalil Mack's best game of the season to date? Oh yeah, absolutely. He was just dominant from start to finish, and. His first sack of the night, throwing off Tristan Wirfs after the play. That I think that solidified that Mac was here and ready to make his presence known. And you saw it consistently, even if he wasn't getting to Tom Brady. I think you could see that there, his, you know, the offensive line knew that they had to block number fifty-two on a consistent basis. If not, he was going to wreck some plays. And you know, he saved Jalen Johnson there at the end of the game where Mike Evans is running past him, but. Hey, Max, right there to apply pressure on Tom Brady. The play is not, or Brady's not able to connect to Evans. And there you go. That's what happens when you have a guy that can wreak havoc in the backfield, set the edge, but also go after the quarterback easily. Max's best game of the season. And then the other guys at edge, I thought they all had their right spots tonight, whether it be James Vaudard uh, with his sack on Tom Brady tonight, uh, whether you have Mingo crashing in there as well, helping out. Mingo also had. Um, a couple really good tackles along the the perimeter tonight some open field tackles in space to limit some plays to some short yardage and if he doesn't make those plays uh, you're looking at you know 10 15 yard gains at a minimum Um, and then on top of that uh, you're looking at uh, you know Quinn and Robert Quinn someone that he didn't generate as much pressure as I was envisioning him tonight and hoping that he could um, but I did mention during the monster moment that he was the one that kind of secured that football. Uh, was it had the wherewithal to pick that thing up uh, because it easily could have just pulled Julius Peppers and stared that football and not do anything. Uh, luckily, he did it. And then on the following drive, there was a play where Brady threw it and there's some contact on his hand. And you never know; those things can go either way. He picked that thing up again, so he's always around the football and he's at least coached up enough to know to pick that thing up. Because worst case scenario, you're going to get the ball where you picked it up. You know, be, uh, you know, best case scenario that's happened. Worst case, they just call it dead and it's whatever. You move on to the next play. But at least he's picking up that ball. Again, small things, but small things that could have a big impact. It did tonight because if he doesn't pick up that football and someone else does for Tampa Bay, the Bears don't get that chance at the end of the second half or end of the second quarter uh, to get points before the half ends. Uh, anyone else that you want to highlight? I know Nichols got a couple quarterback hits. Uh, saw Roquan in there. Mario Edwards had a good uh arm on Brady on one of the passes that made him sail it which could have been a touchdown early on in this game 
um, as well. But anyone from the front seven, I guess we didn't talk about linebackers. And I know Danny Trevathan, uh, you and I were discussing, you know, he finished with a team high eight tackles. Uh, there were a couple times when he was behind in coverage. We know that happens. He did get one pass defense tonight. And on top of that, uh, he was someone that was always around the football, near and around the line of scrimmage with multiple run stops tonight. So my question, Nick, is Danny Trevathan, is he continuing to earn your trust back after a very rocky start to the season? Yeah, I would say so. It's He's had two games where he hasn't been a total liability out there. And he's, honestly, he's been playing better. I will give him that, especially in run support. You see him coming down the hill just being – uh, just coming down with conviction, really, just knowing where the hole, where the running back's going to be, and making a stop. I know I have a couple of just in my notes where it's like Danny Trevathan, and Brent Urban in the backfield, Danny Trevathan having, you know, being stout at the point of attack, shedding a block, and then making the tackle. So he's getting better in that aspect. You obviously want to see more in pass coverage, but I don't know. Maybe that's just not his part of the game anymore. That's why Deion Bush comes in, and he wasn't he wasn't available this game. So. Danny Trevathan playing as consistent, I would say, as he did in this one does reassure me that maybe he is on back on the right track. But I know that he expects more from himself, and I think maybe he can get back to a better level, but he's definitely on the right track. All right, moving into the secondary, Eddie Jackson, I know you have some fun comments for him, and when I'm looking at uh, the other guy's folder, uh, another good game from him. I know in my notes, one of the very few things I have is that face mask that he was called for. I'm fairly certain that his hand got stuck in there. And, like, he's not a dirty player. He doesn't just grab on at people's face masks for no reason when you're trying to jam. I think it slid up, and it got stuck. And he knew it as soon because he's like, hey, the flag was called. He turned around. He's like, ah, that was me. He's like, my bad. Sorry. Nothing malicious. Like, it's just one of those things. It'll happen sometimes. Uh, On the other side, Jalen Johnson, there were a few times when Tom Brady made him look like a rookie. Um, but there are also some times where he was in some really darn good coverage as well, and that's something that uh, I'm very proud of Jalen Johnson. Again, he's only now played five games at the pro level, um, and every corner is going to have it up and down uh, throughout most games, and he has that next play mentality. He's able to have that short memory, move on to the next one, and not let a mistake or a lapse of coverage kind of rattle him, Uh, and we've seen corners in Chicago where it does, and they get picked on continuously. But Johnson turns that into motivation and he's able to step back into and get back to uh, what he does best and that is uh, just taking guys completely out of the equation and uh, very proud of his game overall today again nothing crazy in the stat sheet only the two tackles no passes defense um, but again his impact was bigger uh, than what you see there and I have to talk about a safety but before I do uh, what are your thoughts on uh, Eddie Jackson yeah, Eddie Jackson, I mean, look, I the play that I mentioned earlier where he's coming down and run support where he's been struggling now for the past two weeks, and you could put this one on there too where Ronald Jones just makes one cut in. I think it's, Eddie Jackson went one way, his ankles went the other way, and that that's not never a good, uh, good situation to be in. But he's still, like, there was a play where Tom Brady airmails a throw over Mike Evans, but had that been more accurate, I don't know if maybe Tom Brady delivery did that, but A. Jackson's right there. That's easily a pick for him, just knowing who he is and the ball skills that he has. So, yes, I harped on him for the missed tackle and for someone should go find his ankles, but he was also in position to make an interception had that ball been thrown a little bit better by Tom Brady. And there was one, too, later in the game when he's going in for the big hit right in the middle where the receiver's sitting in front of him, and if he doesn't go in for the big hit, he may have came away uh, with an interception there as well because he's kind of launched into the thing and then he realizes midair, oh, I'm going to have a chance at this one because the, the accuracy is not there and he tries to corral it. But I think if he was standing on his feet, he may have had that ball um, as well and uh, that would have been a big play for the Bears. But again, uh, we, we won. It's 2019, uh, so you can nitpick, but at the end of the day, it's uh, you did enough to win uh, when it's all said and done. And speaking of sealing out a victory, uh, one more safety that we need to mention here is DeAndre Houston Carson. So shout out to Brandon because uh, I know he's uh, the president of the DHC fan club. Uh, and I'm sure I'll get a text from him in the morning about this. But DHC, uh, the last play of the game for this Bears defense, coming away with that pass breakup on that fourth down. Uh, he's someone, Nick, that every year when we do count down to camp, like, well, he's not going to play on defense. Uh, he's a special teamer. And we didn't even know if he was going to make the roster this year. He was on the bubble. He made the team. He shouldn't be playing on defense, but we didn't have Dion Bush because he's hurt. 
And so when you go in Dime, it's and also Sheriff McManus is hurt, so I wonder if that actually played a factor as well. So when you go into Dime, you bring in DHC, you better believe Tom Brady, uh, he's looking at that knowing, okay, this guy literally has played on less than 2% of defensive snaps since he entered the league in 2016, so I'm going to be going uh, after him. And he did, um, but DeAndre Houston Carson, really good coverage, uh, was able to stay in front, no P.I., and was able to get a hand on that football. So I thought that was a big-time play and a big-time moment from someone that does not get any defensive snaps to step up uh, when that situation arises. Because if you get that first down or if you get that pass interference penalty, you never know what Brady's going to do in the next play, and uh, there's still plenty of time left for this game to go the opposite direction. So big shout-out for DHC for that. But, Nick, uh, I mentioned already – uh, earlier, uh, the Bears' ability to stand tall in the red zone, keeping Tampa Bay out of the end zone and keeping them out of the red zone in general because there were times where they got close and they're knocking on the door, but a big sack by Khalil Mack uh, or a big play in general to move them back or just to hold them tight uh, really did a good job for the Bears overall today. And then on top of that, too, just not allowing too many big plays. Uh, a few on the ground, but overall not too many big plays over uh, the top, which we saw a lot from last week in Tom Brady. Anything else from this Bears defense that you want to hit on here? No, I think it's just a lot. This unit plays so much better. And look, this is obvious. When that pass rush is really getting after opposing quarterbacks, you just see that there are flashes, Will, where I'm like, okay. And I know I mentioned I was critical of the defense even last week where I don't know if they'll ever be up to the standard of 2018, but seeing Khalil Mack get back there, just seeing these guys kind of rally to the ball carrier, you're like, okay. If we see that more on a consistent basis, then this defense can really be dominant and hold these higher-scoring teams to you know, what they did to Tampa, 19 points. So I saw flashes of that, and they can continue to ramp up that pass rush, even get Robert Quinn a little bit more involved, then we might, see, then we might have something, to be completely honest. Yeah, and on top of that third down, uh, they did a good job, 4 of 14. Got to make sure we do that because Tampa Bay had the 10th best third down offense entering this game. Uh, and the Bears were able to hold Pat on third down as well. So getting them into the situations, great. And, hey, look, this time I didn't even complain too much about that fourth and inches sneak uh, as much as I did the first time. Still, still disagree. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. Disgruntles me. I didn't like that disrespect so early, and I'm glad the Bears, because obviously they're up 10-0. They're like, you know what? Screw it. We're on our, near our own goal line. We don't care. We don't care. We'll score later. Your offense can barely put up points. We don't care. And we'll beat you anyway. And then it's kind of fun to be at the end of the game here, and the final score is the opposite one, I'm sure. Again, that play didn't really impact the flow of the game, but the mentality that the Buccaneers had to even go for it that early, that close to their own end zone, shows you what they were thinking of the opponent, and they ended up losing. Uh, so I'm glad uh, that we were able to kind of pull that one out for it. Um, but, Nick, let's move into the fourth quarter of our show. Let's begin with our quick hit on special teams. Uh, Cordero Patterson, two returns today of 40 or more yards. Then they decided not to kick to him. And, of course, uh, Santos as well coming up big with a couple of fourth quarter kicks. Uh, anything on special teams that you wanted to mention? I know uh, penalties seem to still be a bugaboo uh, for this uh, third unit. Yeah, and, and there were some penalties that weren't even called. So, like, Joel E.A. Buniwe had a face mask that wasn't called. And so that unit just needs to not be a factor in this game in terms of being in a negative way. Cordell Patterson, when he takes out, the you know, the ball from back in the, back in the end zone and still able to get positive yardage, I kind of like seeing that even though, you know, when it goes when it's not in his favor, we're all like, why is he doing that? But Cordero Patterson is a dynamic playmaker, so continue to be that. But yeah, special teams, Cairo Santos, I really think stole the show. All right, let's call an audible uh, real quick here, Nick. What's something about this game? A moment that you would change? I think you had a really good one the first time, so don't change it. Yeah, so I'm gonna go with the interception that happens as the Bears are kind of driving into what really is Bucks territory. I think it happens on the 37 yard line. Nick Foles throws the interception. Tampa Bay recovers around the 16, 17-yard line. But the Bears were 
you know, moving the ball after going five plays in a punt their first drive. It's that second drive that the Bears have where the interception occurs. So take that away, and it's a 50-50 ball. Let it go 60-40 in Allen Robinson's favor. He comes out with the ball. Let's see what the Bears can do to finish that drive. But that's a play that I would go back and call an audible for. I like it. If I wanted to go back and change something, I'm actually calling an audible on my calling an audible for the first time, by the way. Uh, I think that missed deep shots to Darnell Mooney would be something that I would take back. And as much as I, I think about it, because I was like, well, maybe that's what helped Nick Foles kind of get back into that rhythm or get into a rhythm after the fact. But also, if he hits that pass and it's a big deep shot and it's a touchdown, A, change the dynamic of the game. Bears get a big play early. And I'm sure that would have led into the playing the hot hand as well. It wouldn't hurt by any means. So that missed shot to Darnell Mooney, which was there for the taking, uh, would be one that I would take back uh, as well for me um, in this game. But, Nick, let's move on to our MVB. Who's going to be your MVB here for this Week 5 victorious postgame show? Yeah, I have to go with Cleo Mack because he was absolutely dominant tonight. Uh, anytime that Tom Brady ended up on the ground or looked disgruntled or – anything of that nature you can really just look to number 52 to see if he had anything to do with that and just him having that presence and showing that he is still and I don't think anyone was disputing this deep one of the best defenders defensive football players football player in general in the league you watch what he did tonight against a Bucks offensive line that had some guys that were playing some good football and Tristan Wirfs even though he's a rookie was playing some good football Khalil Mack made him look like a rookie and he'll rebound but Khalil Mack was dominant. I have to give my MVB to him. All right. For my MVB, I'm going to do something I never thought I would do, and I'm going to hand it over to the kicker, Cairo Santos, because you're looking here at the fourth quarter, and the Bears had six points, and those six points loom large uh, for us. But uh, he made two potential game-winning kicks here in the fourth quarter. He had the one uh, that made it 17-16, uh, 10 plays later for Tampa Bay, they answer. They retake the lead, 19-17. Uh, the team's trade punts back, forth. Bears get the ball, move the play, move the ball down 32 yards, did what they needed to do, got themselves in range. And, Nick, we can disagree on the aggressive mentality at the end. But uh, I was hoping it didn't go back into the foot of Santos, but it ended up having to go ahead and do so. And he hit one to make it 20 to 19, uh, which was the deciding kick here in this game, the deciding factor in for a Chicago Bears fan that has all of the concerns of the kickers, and I'm sure we all do, right? We're all we're all a little sore from it. We are a little, uh, you know, we have a little special place in our heart uh, every time we see a Bears kicker uh, lining up for a potential game-winning field goal. Uh, that definitely uh, puts us on edge, puts our nerves at full alert for him to hit two of those tonight. Uh, one of them from 40-plus, which he wasn't able to do that all season prior, uh, to me is huge. Uh, and, again, without him, uh, we wouldn't win this game because the offense couldn't find their way into the end zone late in this game. They only got the two touchdowns in the fourth quarter uh, and then two field goals. I mean, sorry, two touchdowns in the second quarter, the two field goals here in the fourth quarter. So when the game was on the line, when the Bears had the ball, when they were moving into scoring position, they couldn't get into the red zone. They couldn't find their way into uh, the red zone, and then I ended up finding a way into the end zone and scoring. So they had to rely on their kicker. Santos stepped up and did it. I think he's well-deserving for it. Who knows if he'll ever get it again, but uh, for one week, and he's going to have the glorious moment of being uh, our MVB. I know it's huge honors, and uh, I'm sure he's proud to know, because, uh, of course, he listens to the show. I'm, gl- I'm sure he's glad to know, <laughs> Nick, uh, that he's ended up being my MVB for this week. All right, Nick. Let's wrap up the show with our two-minute warning. Time to put this game into a season-long perspective. Look ahead, reflect, whatever you want to do. It's your two minutes. I'm not here to judge. Uh, you can take a nap if you needed to. What's going to be your two-minute warning? Yeah, we're all going to need a nap, that's for sure. But look, the Bears are 4-1, and one, and this is a victory that I didn't see coming. We both predicted that the Bears wouldn't, wouldn't win this one, but they found a way, and it all goes back to being a resilient group, and I think that despite the the woes that still continue to happen on offense we did see you know improvement look the Bears scored 20 as opposed to the 11 that they scored last week against the Colts and up to even though that the Bears haven't put a full game together they're still winning football games like they're still a 4-1 football team and being a Tampa Bay Buccaneers team that was red hot up coming into this game um you can 
you could take value in that and learn from that. But look, like I mentioned, the offense, it that offensive line really does scare me now. I, if James Daniels looks like he's going to miss the rest of his season, what are you going to do at left guard? The tackles haven't been playing well. The, really, the offensive line has taken steps down each week since week three against Atlanta. Um, and defensively, I thought, like I mentioned earlier, we saw flashes of what this group can do when it causes turnovers and they capitalize. The offense can capitalize on those turnovers. We saw that in this game. So the Bears have a lot of um, – there's still a lot of questions with them, but they're 4-1, and one, and you can fix a lot of those problems when you're a winning football team a lot easier than you can if you're a losing football team. So enjoy the victory. Now it's Friday, so enjoy your victory Friday, and we'll see what happens next week against Carolina. There you go, Nick. When I'm looking at it, just like you, I mean, just saying four and one puts a smile on my face. It's we talked about it on our preview show. It could have been a really, really tough four day stretch from going from a three and zero football team to potentially a three and two football team, dropping two in a row with a lot of questions uh, that needed to be answered. And like you said, they're easier to be answered when you're a winning team. And the Bears finding a way to rebound on a short week, come together uh, despite it looking like, hey, it may potentially be um, a shootout or, no, sorry, a shutout here or a blowout 10-0 in the first quarter. I was holding my breath. I was like, it's going to be a long night. I had a few friends texting me, man, I'm so sorry. It's going to be a long night for you. And I'm like, yeah, you're probably right. I'm buckling in. <laughs> and I mean, it is a long night. It's almost 2 a.m. here. But the game itself uh, turned out to be a really interesting one, a fun one. Uh, to watch unfold, and I'm glad that the Bears ended up being on top. Uh, offense, I think we all know there's room to improve, especially on third down. Um, but one thing that I didn't mention earlier, I want to make sure I mention that I noticed was late in this game, all the checks that Nick Foles is doing at the line of scrimmage. Uh, that one play to David Montgomery, I don't know how many adjustments he made at the line of scrimmage. It felt like someone in Madden when you're hitting like all the different hot routes and you're moving people around and you're like, whoa, 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 what's the heck's going on? Whenever you're watching some of those like official Madden players and they make like 50 changes to a play in like three seconds and it's nuts. I feel like Nick Foles is doing something just like that in the field, like bringing in Montgomery, calling this, checking that, talking to Leno, and we got the playoff and it worked. And I mean, those are some cool nuances to watch unfold and hopefully that can be something that this offense builds upon. And uh, yeah, just this team in general. I mean, the the gonads that they have, Nick. I mean, we have Manscaped as a sponsor. I'll say it. The balls that they have to go out here and just find ways to win games that they're behind in uh, is just incredible. Uh, again, it's not pretty, but it's awesome. We've seen plenty of Bears games go the opposite way that are close, and we're seeing them go and tilt the other way. And there is a time when you have to say good football teams win these close games. Now, We'll see like what good means here in 2020 for this Bears team. But as of right now, 4-1, and one, beating the Buccaneers, which we said the Colts game was a benchmark, and it was. And I think the Colts may be a really good football team. But the Bucs are supposed to be a pretty good football team too. And we found a way to get it done. And I know they had some injuries, but the Bears found a way to beat them. And it's never easy winning an NFL. It's never easy beating Tom Brady unless you're Nick Foles. And then you say, who's your daddy? And then we move on and we call that a postgame show. <laughs> all right hey uh first of all youtubers thank you so much for the patience tonight uh sorry for the technical issues that we had uh for our podcast listeners if you're waiting up for this podcast uh this early morning uh i apologize for the delay here usually we love cranking these things out as soon as the finals whistles over uh, we did that once <laughs> we did a whole hour and 18 minute recording didn't get anything back from it fingers crossed everything's working as expected here this time by uh, sorry, it's a little bit shorter. Uh, Nick and I, when we before we went live the second time, said, hey, we'll try to keep it 30, 35 minutes. And I, I'm seeing we're at 55, 20, 21 rolling here. So I knew we talked more than we expected, but I still do apologize for the briefness of the show. Uh, but I hope that you still found our analysis to be valuable to you. And fingers crossed, software works next time. So the next time the Bears win uh, against Carolina, uh, we can have ourselves a, a first take post game show uh, that has everything that you've known to grow, to love, and to expect out of uh, the product that Nick and I give to you. Make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't yet. That way, you give notifications each and every time that we go live. You never know when uh, Dolphin Nick or Chipmunk Nick may make an appearance next. Uh, rate our show and review our show on Apple Podcasts to help us find more Chicago Bears fans just like you. And up next, like I said, the Bears have the Carolina Panthers, who are currently sitting at 2-2, two and two, who have the Falcons this weekend. So keep an eye on them. But until then, enjoy your victory 
Friday. And of course, bear down, Chicago. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com.